As a vibrant part of campus life, our chapel gathering at Trinity Western creates opportunities for us to hear and be changed by God's story in Jesus through music, teaching, prayer, scripture reading, and storytelling. We're glad you're listening in today. We hope that you encounter God's heart for you and the world. Western University Chapel. It's Brian Dirksen here. I've been asked to lead us in a brief time of worship online, and I'm going to use a medley of two songs. The first song uh, is a newer song, and it feels very appropriate for this season. It's a prayer of trust in God called Everlasting Arms. And then um, one of my earliest songs I wrote when I was a young adult, I was 23 and a first-time father called Faithful One. So I hope that these two simple prayers can help us bring our hearts to the God who loves us today. We don't know when the storm is going to break But underneath all things the everlasting arms We don't know how much more our hearts can take But underneath all things the everlasting arms And underneath all things are the everlasting arms Underneath all things Everlasting arms of grace Underneath all things are the everlasting arms Underneath it all is love We don't know when this fiery trial Everlasting arms. We don't know how long this pain will last. But underneath all things, the everlasting arms. And underneath all things are the everlasting arms. Underneath all things. Everlasting arms of grace Underneath all things are the everlasting arms Underneath it all is love one, you're my rock. 
Thank you, Brian, for that lovely song. Welcome to chapel. Today's sermon is going to help us understand something about Job and something about God. It might help you understand how to navigate this fascinating season. So let me begin with a question or two. How important is it for you to keep control of your life? Or what would it take for you to give up control? You see, you're studying at a university in the midst of a pandemic. You know this, and you know that COVID-19 has revealed a number of revealing and significant things. If I had asked this question about how important is, to, is it to control your life before COVID, 12 months ago, I think I would have got a different answer. But now we know that we're much more vulnerable than we imagined. We need each other. We need to rely on each other. We live in a community, and only by cooperating, by working together to keep each other safe, can we in fact hope for a renewed sense of community and social interaction. None of us control much of our lives in the midst of this pandemic. In the moment, I want to turn your attention to the story of Job. But I also want to encourage you to carry on a conversation in the chat room. I'll be hanging out there. I'll be able to, because of the magic of Zoom, allow myself to sort of follow your questions and participate in what you're learning as we go through this material. So I want to turn our attention to the story of Job. It might help us to gain critical insights in how we can live during this moment, during a moment of disruption and disorder and worry. So what would it take for you to give up control of your life? 
Let's begin at the beginning of the story. And let's begin with this question. Is Job a good person? The answer is yes, absolutely. God says as much. So listen to the opening words of Job chapter 1. There was once a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. That man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. As we read on, we learn this. Even after Job loses 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 oxen, 500 donkeys, his servants, his sons and daughters, he tears his clothes in grief, shaves his head, falls to the ground, and then quite remarkably worships. Worships, not curses God. And he says this, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then, as if to make sure that we did not miss the point, the narrator then says this in Job 1, verse 20 to 22, In all this Job did not sin or charge God with wrongdoing. If you're familiar with the Bible, or if you've been following along in our study of Job this semester, you know the outline of the story. God says that Job was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. But what happened to him? God allows horrible things to happen, and Job enters into a season of deep loss and brokenness. And this does raise a disturbing question. Is God just? in letting a good person suffer. Of course, I've posted this question online on Slido. I'm looking forward to seeing your response to this question. I hope that you can see the relationship in the questions I've asked. What would it take to give up control of your life? And is God just in letting a good person suffer? The first question assumes, of course, that you have some control, that you can determine to a large degree the direction and shape of your life, that you have what we might call a high degree of freedom. And prior to COVID, many would have asserted, yes, each of us has a high degree of freedom, and we have the ability to shape the future, the direction of our lives. After COVID, difficult. The second question, is God just in letting a good person suffer, suggests a different way of seeing the world. It suggests perhaps that we don't have as much freedom as we imagined. Perhaps there are forces around us that press upon us and shape our futures in often hidden and unacknowledged ways. Or perhaps God works with nature and structures and is not uninvolved in the shape of our lives. 
and that in spite of our remarkable command of mathematics, engineering, physics, chemistry, and biology, the workings of the world can't really be reduced to strictly material or natural causes. Now, you might find all of this a bit odd in a sermon, but you're at a wonderful global Christian university, and where else should you be invited to think about the meaning and purpose of life and God's relationship to all that happens? If not here, where else? With this in mind, let's return to the story of Job. What in the world is going on? Job is a good person, and yet everything dear to him has been taken away. He was at the top of the world, and he's now in despair. Does that sound familiar to you? Have things gone well for you in the past? And then, out of the blue, a crisis happens, and you lose something that was important to you. And it seems as if your life has come to an end. Was your grief so heavy that you cried out to God saying, why, why, why? Suffering, loss, pain, and grief are terribly hard to bear, particularly, it seems, when you've not done anything wrong. I think that we get suffering and pain right when we've made a mistake. We understand maybe we brought this upon ourselves. But how does this feel when you're seeking to live a good and holy life, when you're striving to please God and to love your neighbor as yourself? When suffering comes then, what do you do? This is where all that God reveals in the book of Job can be a great help. The story can help us navigate an unsettling season of loss, fear, loneliness, and to navigate all of the remainder of the tough spots in life that each of us will inevitably face. So, what is God saying to us today through the book of Job? Now, you might be thinking, you finally get it. This book is an answer to the age-old question, why does God allow good people to suffer? But when you take the time to read this book carefully, as we've been doing together throughout this semester, it gradually dawns on you that God doesn't answer that question. And so instead of answering the question, is God just in letting a good person suffer, the story of Job takes up a very different issue. The key to the story, it seems, is the issue of integrity and faithfulness in the midst of loss and suffering. Now, in a fallen and broken world, suffering will come our way. Given this, it becomes all the more important for us to wonder, what will we do when it comes? How will we react to the inevitable visitation of sorrow and loss? Job is no moral superhero. If that was the case, this book would be of little help to us. As his suffering persists, he becomes angry, confused, 
frustrated. And at one point, he even accuses God of hating him. God gives me up to the ungodly, he writes, and casts me into the hands of the wicked. I was at ease, and he broke me in two. He seized me by the neck and dashed me to pieces. He set me up as his target. His archers surround me. He slashes open my kidneys and shows no mercy. He pours out my gall on the ground. He bursts upon me again and again. He rushes at me like a warrior. From Job 16. At a particularly low point, Job proclaims that God destroys both the blameless and the wicked. He writes in chapter 9, when disaster brings sudden death, he mocks at the calamity of the innocent. And then he adds, there is no umpire between us. Who might lay his hand on us both? If he would take his rod away from me and not let dread of him terrify me, then I would speak without fear of him, for I know I am not what I ought to be or what I thought to be. So the weight of Job's suffering has brought him to the point of asking if he was wrong. Has he placed his life and hope in the hands of a God who is not just? What if God destroys both the wicked and the good? By the end of his speech, after looking back over the whole of his life, Job insists that he has in fact lived a good life and that he is without reproach. And in the midst of experiencing loss and hardship, Job is asking exactly the same question that we would ask. Why, O oh God, why do I suffer when I've lived a good life, a righteous life, a holy life? Why have you allowed such harm to come my way? And like us, Overwhelmed by sadness, confused and broken, Job is searching for an answer. He cries out to God, wanting to know why God has allowed such pain and loss to come to him. And then finally, after a long speech, God speaks. God appears in a whirlwind and responds to Job personally not as an impersonal force or power, but as a personal, loving, faithful, and eloquent God who speaks, and he speaks directly to Job. Instead of answering the question that Job and perhaps you also have, meaning you might have been asking, why does God allow a good person to suffer? Let's listen to what God says. Job 38, verses 1 to 18. Then the Lord answered Job, out of the whirlwind, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up your loins like a man. I will question you, and you shall declare to me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know, or who stretched the line upon it 
On what were its bases sunk, or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together, and all the heavenly beings shouted for joy, or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb, when I made the clouds its garment, and thick darkness its swaddling band, and prescribed bounds for it, and set bars and doors, and said, Thus far you shall come, and no farther, and here shall your proud waves be stopped. Have you commanded the morning since your days began, and caused the dawn to know its place, so that it might take hold of the skirts of the earth, and the wicked be shaken out of it? It is changed like clay under the seal, and it is dyed like a garment. Light is withheld from the wicked, and their uplifted arm is broken. Have you entered into the springs of the sea, or walked in the necessary of the, of the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you, or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare if you know all this. What is God saying? How might this bring us comfort and direction, even as we travel through this disorienting and worrying season of COVID? God's response to Job is a comfort, and it does give us direction. So what can we learn from this story? Three simple but deep and important things. Number one, God is much more interested in answering the personal, existential questions of how to live faithfully than he is with providing us with a philosophical response to the problem of evil. Remember, God speaks to Job personally. He never answers the question, does a just God punish good people? Number two, when you are suffering, God is not angry with your expressions of despair, grief, sadness, or frustration. God allows Job to be fully honest with God about how he feels. God can take your pain, and God will not judge you for being honest with him. The final thing to remember is this. God does answer our prayers. God may not answer our questions in the way that we might want, but God will answer our prayers. Those are two different things. God certainly allows us to voice our deepest and most raw and honest complaints. And when we do, God remains God. He remains a sovereign, loving, faithful God of covenant, and we are his partner. And God allows us to express our worry and concern because God knows that we are frail. God knows that we are mortal. God knows that we don't fully understand all that has happened. And clearly in chapter 8, that's what God reminds Job of. God knows all things. It is a source of tremendous comfort 
to know that the God who orders the whole world, who, as this passage indicated today, laid the foundation of the earth, determines its measurements, laid its cornerstone, so that when the morning stars sang together, all the heavenly beings shouted for joy. This is a God who orders the world, who holds it together, who enables it to continue to flourish and remains with it, not at a distance. God is fully involved in the ongoing shape of the world, and God is fully involved in the ongoing shape of your life. This is the God whom you love. This is the God who you can trust. This is the God who can turn your darkness into light. Listen to these words from Isaiah chapter 43, verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. The story of Job is a great comfort. We don't yet know how it ends. For that, you'll have to log in on Monday, when the Reverend Dr. James Ellis will reveal the end of this story. As we come to the close of this sermon, we're going to play the song Faithful One yet again. While it's playing, I invite you to use the chat room. I invite you to post, as you listen to this song, verses from the Bible that have been an encouragement to you about how God cares for us. And I hope that by sharing these verses with others, they also will be encouraged to turn to God in the midst of brokenness and worry and concern, and to remember that we are children of a loving and faithful Lord. It's a joy to be with you, and I pray that God will use our study of Job to bring you encouragement in the midst of a challenging time, and that you will take comfort from the fact that Job remains a model of what it means to live with integrity and faithfulness in the midst of suffering. God loves you. He will turn your darkness into light. Thank you. Faithful one, so
Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope to worship with you at our next broadcast online at livechapel.twu.ca. You can also stay connected with Chapel and Student Ministries by following us on Instagram at TWU Chapel and at TWU Student Min. Much love.